Hey, welcome. Oh, it's been a while. <laughs> You're listening to My Teeth Need Attention. I'm Joe, your host. Um, I'm a slack motherfucker. And uh, it takes me forever to get shit done. I don't know why. So, uh, right off the bat, I'm going to apologize to my guest from today's episode because it's taken me forever to get this thing done for no good reason whatsoever. Uh, my guest today is Richie Charles, uh, the, the force behind um, Petty Bunko and formerly uh, before that Richie Records in a, a bunch of bands. Uh, currently on tour right now, and I was hoping to get this out before they went on tour, but um, they're in the middle of their tour. He's touring with his partner, Emily Robb. Uh, he's, he's backing her on, on keyboard. Uh, they are playing. If you're listening to this today on Tuesday, February 27th, they're playing at uh, Arcata, California at the Miniplex with Winter Band tomorrow night, Wednesday, uh, February 28th in Portland, Oregon. Uh, at the Fixin' 2 with Lavender Flu and White Shark. Uh, Thursday, they're playing in Seattle at Vera Project with Blessed Blood and AF Jones. And Friday, they wrap up the West Coast tour in Olympia, Washington at Lavoyer with Debt, Debt Rag. Um, so, yeah, uh, again, I apologize to uh, Richie for taking forever to get this thing out. Um, we talk about uh, a ton of stuff. Uh, the, the episode actually happens, the interview happened in two sections. We did uh, the first one, and then towards the end of that first one, um, we left on a real downer note because it sounded like Richie was going to like shut the label down, uh, Pity Bunko. Uh, but that's not the case. Uh, so then he kind of reached out. He's like, hey, can we update this? So over the holidays, uh, while he was in the car driving back from uh, Maine, I think, to Philly, uh, we did another section of the interview and um, he kind of updated me on status of the label and a bunch of releases that he's working on and stuff like that. He goes, he ups and flows um, like we all do, uh, especially if you run a label or you're in a band or whatever like that, you kind of ebb and flow with enthusiasm and effort and motivation and stuff like that. And uh, you know, the, the end of the first interview, he was kind of on a, is that an ebb or a flow? I'm not sure. The down, the downward end, and then, uh, and then he got, uh, he got motivated again, and has a bunch of records that he's working on. So I was very excited to hear that. In the background, what you're hearing is Blues Ambush uh, from the tape that Petty Bunko put out. Um, I don't know when this came out. A couple years ago, I think. Self-titled. Great, great band from Philadelphia. <clears throat> um, if you're uh, in the area or you feel like traveling this summer um, so I run Carbon Records I've been doing it for 30 years uh, the anniversary is actually coming up any moment now uh, in April was the uh, 30 years ago was the first release I ever did of my own stuff and uh, so this year I'm going to be doing a weekend festival at the end of July uh, July 26th to 28th but technically 25th the Thursday, the 25th of July, I'm going to be doing kind of a, a preview bootleggy kind of thing to kick things off. But anyway, um, a bunch of bands from Philly are going to come up, including Emily Robb and Richie and Blues Ambush are coming up too. Um, there's going to be a, a ton of information coming out soon. So um, just, uh, you know, keep your keep your ears tuned to the interwebs and I'll, I'll be posting a full list and more details soon 
uh, but I wanted to give you a little teaser uh, in case you want to check out Blues Ambush. They're amazing live. I've seen them uh, uh, once now or twice, uh, maybe once. Uh, good stuff. So anyway, uh, we're going to listen to Blues Ambush a little bit more. We're going to play a couple more tracks. So we're going to get into the interview. I'll probably play some tracks in between the two parts of the interview and then some tracks at the end. Uh, the full track listing will be up in the show notes. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Um, if you haven't subscribed, please subscribe to the podcast. My teeth need attention. Um, tell your friends and family. And uh, I'll try to get these out. Uh, I won't promise you anything. There'll be another episode at some point. Oh, but there is a zine component to this podcast. This idea originally started out as a, a zine idea. Um, and then it took me forever <laughs> to get zines out. So I, I switched to podcasts. So anyway, there's two issues of zine out right now. They're still available. I reprinted the first issue. So there's two issues. You can go on to carbon-records.bandcamp.com to get um, to get those. They're each like five bucks or something plus shipping. Um, but I do have issue three in the works, and that's going to be coming with a seven-inch compilation uh, that I'm psyched about. So that'll be coming out in probably mid to late March. So keep your eye out for that. I'll do another episode probably just talking about that uh, alone uh, when the time comes. So, all right, let's listen to some blues ambush here on my teeth need attention.
So yeah, I want to uh, welcome Richie to the podcast. Podcast is My Teeth Need Attention. Um, I always kind of mention what that name is from. Do you know what that name is from? I know. Honestly, I wouldn't have picked up on it except that you had uh, mentioned that it is a Dead Sea song. In, yeah, I mentioned you know, it all the time. Episodes, yeah. What yeah, so it's a, it's a it's a lyric from Power, which um, yeah, it's a track that <clears throat> you know has come to mind lately just because of all the crap that's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. But there's always crap going on in the world, so that song is sort of always um, yeah. <laughs> sadly fitting to various yeah. situations. But it's uh, timeless in that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you live in Philly right now. Did you grow up in Philly or? I grew up um, in the suburbs of Philly, like, you know, I don't know, maybe like a 25 minute drive from where I'm sitting right now. So oh, okay, pretty close. Yeah. I grew up in Scranton. So. Oh, yeah. 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 I grew up um, where my uh, where I was at. It's called Willow Grove. And um, yeah, just north of here. And I guess if I kept going and going, I would eventually end up in Scranton. Yeah. Um, you didn't know Ken from before Philly, did you? He grew no, up outside um, Philly too, right? Yeah, Ken um is a little bit further up. He grew up a little bit further up in Bucks County, and he had worked at a record store that I bought some of my first records at. Um, I have vague memories of him being in the shop at that time, but I don't think I knew him. There were like a, at least two other characters who I very much remember and i think ken may have been there a little bit as well but uh did not get to know ken until i don't know five or six years ago maybe yeah when he made his way down into philly or yeah um a little bit before that i think he was still living up that way when he kind of entered our world and um i kind of weaseled my way into playing in a band with him and uh (laughs) we you know got to know each other you know better and better through that shit yeah when did when did you uh, start playing music? I suppose I started. Um, I mean, I guess you know, I the absolute earliest would have been like playing a snare drum in a uh, mm-hmm. in like a school band, you know. Um, and I guess I would have been. I don't even know in uh, probably probably in fourth grade. So mm-hmm. however however old you are at that point, do you, do you still play drums or? Yeah, a little bit, kind of off and on. Um, you know, I would say that out of whatever instrument, that's probably the one that I can like kind of sit down and kind of make something happen a lot better than a guitar or bass or a keyboard or anything else. Yeah, you kind of play everything now. Just self-taught. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, even that's sort of an overstatement. I just kind of, I, I have messed around with <clears throat> both, most of the rock instruments. Mm-hmm. That's how I describe myself. Um, people are like, you're a guitar player. I'm like, no, I use a guitar. I own it and use it. <laughs> yeah, guitar yeah. yeah, totally. And I'm sure, you know, you also have buddies who are like clearly musicians and it's in their mm-hmm. blood. And I don't I don't really have that exactly. Right. Well, uh, when did you start playing in like a band? Um, You know, I, me- I played a little bit like in high school but then um when i got to college i kind of lost interest in music for a couple years and didn't really do much of anything like even related to music but um 
I started playing kind of like regularly in bands that had ambition in like 2003 or four, I guess. Um, when I bought a drum kit and started playing uh, with a buddy of mine. Mm-hmm. What what bands were those? That would have been um, a band called Clock Cleaner that uh, me and my buddy John Sharkey had for a while. And, uh, and then we were joined by a fantastic bass player named Karen Horner. Nice. Wait, John Sharkey from uh, like Puerto Rico Flowers and oh yeah, yeah, the House Louis bands. Oh wow, absolutely, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I was never really familiar with his stuff, but um, this I DJ at a local low-powered station, and the young dude that would DJ after me uh, mm-hmm. played a lot of like indie rock and punk and stuff like that. So I would sort of transition my show into his, sure. with you know, because I didn't really I played more of the you know psych and heavy stuff or whatever. And he would constantly play John Sharkey projects. Oh, wild. Every week he would mention some other band that had John Sharkey in it. I'm like, who is this guy? Yeah, he's up. He's another buddy from from Philadelphia. He's now in um, Australia. But uh, oh, okay. Yeah, kind of at his at his uh, suggestion. I bought a drum kit and um, we started playing. And, uh, you know, we had a lot of good times together. Yeah, nice. And this was that was after college? Yeah, this would have been probably around the time I was graduating. Like, I didn't really have a lot going on, but I had uh, mm-hmm. I had a job that uh, and my rent was really cheap. So I had, like, more money in my pocket than I had ever had. So, you know, I suddenly had, like, 800 bucks. And he was coming back, and he was going to buy a guitar or... Yeah, I think he bought a new guitar and like a new amp, and uh, we just started playing around that time. Mm-hmm. That's funny because most people get into me- like I got into music playing in in college, so in sure. high school I didn't really do anything. Uh, and then once I get to college, I kind of get that bug. And the same thing though, I got my first co op job and bought a drum kit for like two hundred bucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You maybe know. when I said eight hundred, maybe that was an overstatement. I, I remember. <laughs> going and like i at least knew that i wanted it to be loud so i bought the biggest bass drum i could find which was a a marching band drum and got it converted into like you know with like legs on it and spent like more money than i should have on big cymbals because i wanted them to <laughs> nice and loud and those get pretty expensive yeah they do did you yeah. ever see a uh, godhead silo play do you remember that no. band from the oh, yeah, I um, I did not. I did see uh, uh, what was the band? The one guy had Enemy Mine. Oh yeah, yeah. <clears throat> they played out here a few times, and I did see them, but I do think it was a different drummer than whoever yeah. you're talking about. The drummer from Godhead Silo played his kit was that his bass drum was a marching band drum. His oh, floor no. time his floor time was a bass drum with legs mounted to it. Oh wow! And his rack tom was. I don't know, probably a 14 inch, but it was like three feet deep. It like protruded out in front of his kit and all his symbols were gigantic. Yeah. And he just bled all over the kit when he played. Yeah. He's got me beat. Yeah. yeah, He played with like wicked thick sticks. I don't know how he did it. His arms must've been burning the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. They were insane to watch. Yeah. I've thought about those records uh, not too long ago and 
should probably revisit them. I think I just came across one in a store or something and, and wanted to uh, check them out again someday. Yeah. So you started uh, Richie Records in like 2006. Is that right? Yeah, yeah I think it was around that time. Um, so what uh, got you? What what gave you the idea that doing like were you working on releases before that when you were in the bands? Yeah. You know, the few years before that. No, no. I think what it went down was that um, me and a buddy of mine named Max, who uh, kind of famously works at the Philadelphia Record Exchange, <laughs> had a thing going and we recorded something and uh, I think we had kicked around a name thinking it would be funny to call a label Richie Records, which, you know, coincidentally is my name. <laughs> and then kind of behind my back, he went and like ran off, you know, just some tapes and uh, like <laughs> in the, in the you know, on the cassette itself wrote like Richie Records 2006 or whatever year it was. And I had other people telling me like, oh, where do I get that Richie Records? <laughs> That's hilarious. You accidentally started a label. So, yeah, I mean, it was kind of like, it, was, it all seemed really cute at the time with like the alliteration and my name. But, uh, you know, it hasn't aged very well. And uh, <laughs> the, um, but as far as like actually putting out records and stuff, it just was to uh, put out stuff that I had played on that nobody else was going to put out. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Was that, that what what project was that? Was that Watery Love or that particular thing um, with Max would have been actually that would have been actually probably more like 2004. Now that I think about it and that I believe was the cassette that we had called North American Students. Hmm. And, you know, no one needs to worry about it, but that's <laughs> So I'm I'm guessing the transition between that and Petty Bunko was you just wanting to get rid of that name. I mean, <laughs> was there was, was there a gap too in in between those two labels or? No, not really. I mean, it was okay. it was kind of like a slow and protracted process. Um, mm -hmm. I think at some point I just thought I would. I liked the name Petty Bunko, and I thought I would like kind of do a label that would just do like a lower run releases. So, like, I think there's some overlap between kind of the two labels. Um, and I believe there's a time when, like, there's probably a year in which there was, like, a Mordecai record and a Sparrow Steeple record and a Mark Fian record. But then also a fully glazed single probably came out on the Petty Bunko label, like, mm. you know, in the middle of all that. What kind of runs were you doing with uh, Richie? At some point, at some points, it was like as many as, I mean, some of them maybe a thousand, okay. five hundred was kind of standard, but then you know I would do like a hundred copies of a fully glazed single, or maybe it was it right, was a little, right. and with that I wouldn't bother to send it to, um, you know, distributors because there just weren't enough to go around that way. Mm -hmm. But yeah, now they're you know it's like kind of like essentially the same and. Uh, Petty Bunko just has a better, better little stamp and a, a snappy name. Where what is that name? Is that name a reference to something in particular? Oh, it's just um. You ever watch the old TV show Dragnet? Yeah, yeah. So it'll be. It seems to just sort of indicate like a, like a real low level 
from yeah. Bunko artist, like, right? Yeah. Yeah, like you know, if if you and me set up a game of three card money, we can expect to get busted, and uh, they'll book us on petty Bunko. Oh, I see. And, you know, it's just kind of like a flim flam kind of scam. Mm-hmm. That's the next label that you should call flim flam kind of scam. Oh, I mean, I just think that's that's sort of like uh, what the label is to begin with. I don't <laughs> want... Well, um, <clears throat> so I was kind of looking at your like the Petty Bunko releases. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of your label, your stuff, your projects, Philly projects, including Mary Lattimore. Which I don't think yeah. I have that release. Um, yeah, we know Mary oh. really well up here because she went to she went to Mises School in Rochester. Oh, right. you know, oh, we, no. we all got to know her before she moved to Philly. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Yeah, she's actually. Uh, I'm beat from work. I just got home, but she is playing here tonight, and that's where Emily's at right now. Oh, nice. Yeah, yes. I always I rag on her because she goes on these tours and never plays Rochester. Oh, bummer. I'm like, what the hell, man. But is Rochester kind of, I guess it's kind of out of the way touring wise or. Yeah. I think normally she's usually down towards your area, you know, DC and then New York and Boston and stuff. Okay. I mean, sometimes she goes and plays Toronto, but you know, it's one of those things you just gotta, there's not a really good venue for her to play in town either. Um, Oh, got it. Yeah. It'd be kind of weird, you know, like a rock venue and the other venues aren't great. Um, Yeah. Uh, got it. Yeah, she's playing, I believe, in the uh, the chapel of the church in Center City tonight. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's where I would probably have to do that, like book her at mm-hmm. a gallery or a church or something like that, mm-hmm. just to get it so it was, sounded good and it was quiet and stuff. So. Yeah, totally. What? Um, how did you hook up with the like the kitchen floor kitchen floor people? Was that through? Oh, yeah. uh... That's um. Yeah, uh, a guy named Matt, and it's um, it probably dates back to. Have you ever heard of that magazine, um, Negative Guest List? Mm, I don't think so. It was uh, published out of man. I want to yeah, Brisbane, mm-hmm. and uh, the the guy who made it, Brendan. I never say his name right, and and Nelsie or or Nelsie or like. If this were a call-in show, someone could call and set us straight. <laughs> but he um, publishes fanzine. I wrote for it a little bit. And I believe that's how I got to know Matt from Kitchen's Floor. And uh, when they toured here, I guess it was 10 years ago, Watery Love played at least one show with them. I think we were supposed to do two, but it didn't. Hurricane Sandy got in the way. Um, but yeah, ever since we'd kind of like, you know, emailed back and forth about whatever. And, uh, when it came time for the latest record, it seemed like a good fit. Yeah, that was, I was psyched to see that. I caught, I have a couple of their records. I don't even know what labels they were on before that. Um, yeah, they did, uh, <clears throat> did one on Silk Breeze, one oh, on right. yeah. Hozak. And I want to, I, I feel like we're forgetting something. There might be a 12 inch, maybe on the negative guest list label when they put out a couple records. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Same thing with the new Haven crew. How'd you hook up with them just from playing in different areas and stuff or, or I, I think room and yeah, totally. Um, 
I think that I first crossed paths with them when uh, Stefan and Chrissy had a band called, uh, uh, man, it was named after a Blue Oyster Cult uh, song, I think. Oh, pre-Headroom. It may have been going on with Headroom, but the two of them were okay. just doing this trip as a duo and came down and played Philly and Watery Love played with them. And uh, I think that was when we first got to know each other and just kind of, you know, folks in Philly and New Haven kind of got tighter and tighter over the years. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there was, that was when I first met them, but I'm sure they had other friends in here, here in town before, uh, before I met them. Mm. And yeah, it's been, yeah, great, great knowing them. Like either Headroom or Mountain Movers comes to town. It feels like every couple of months, but probably just feels that way yeah you know yeah yeah i've had stefan up here solo and david uh shapiro's been up here oh, solo yeah. and then he's been up here twice just recently with kath bloom and stuff oh killer uh, been meaning to try to get the one of the bands up here too and been mm -hmm. just trying to time it right you know yeah yeah it can be tough you know <clears throat> everyone's yeah schedule and everything yeah and then um I, I I talked to Emily about this uh once too, the David Nance thing. How he you guys met him by him coming through town or something like that? Oh yeah. Um uh the first time we had met him, our buddy Lynn knew his music. I think she had a record you know the grapefruit label? Mm-hmm. Yep. I believe the first my first awareness of that is that he had uh simon had done like a um subscription thing maybe you'd pay a certain amount of cash oh. and get every couple of months yeah 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 and all and the covers are very similar and yeah really hard and, to tell apart mm -hmm. and was dave nance's one of his records part of that series Do you yeah remember? it was yeah yeah so i think that what had happened was lynn signed up for that series uh received dave's record then saw that he was going to be in town you know, enjoyed the record, went and saw him. I think it was a very poorly attended show. And I guess she, my hearing of the stories that uh, Lynn had said, something like, um, like, oh, David, you know, I'm so glad you came to town. I can tell you that there would be at least two more people here. But uh, my friends are on tour right now, so <laughs> but they can't make it. And then, you know, they got to talking and the two other people were me and Max and uh yeah since then i think we all we all became buddies and dave let me put out a couple records for him yeah and the astute palette thing happened was was that a you guys recorded in philly or yeah that was recorded here um emily recorded that at her suddenly studio mm -hmm. um that was the occasion that that was that i was putting on i thought it'd be a good idea to put on like a series of free shows at a a bar called Ortlieb's here. Mm -hmm. And I think it was every Monday night in June of, I, I guess it was 20, 2019 maybe. And um, one of the nights, it was mostly all Philadelphia bands and acts, but um, I talked to Dave about coming out here and you know, I was going to figure out a way to get him a plane ticket and have him play solo. 
And David's just like, nah, screw that. What we're going to do, I'm going to write a bunch of new songs. We're going to start a new band. And that's who's going to play that night. So he came out here and, you know, he had already sent us um, kind of like cell phone recordings, or I think he even did like four track recordings of a couple songs. And the plan was that he was going to fly in on like Saturday night, we'd hang out Sunday, we would practice. And then Monday night we play the show. And I believe his flight got delayed. He showed up pretty late Saturday night. We hung out Sunday. We went in and, learned the songs and recorded them and then monday afternoon dave did the vocals his part of the vocals and then we went and played the show monday night and um decided that the the recordings were good enough to kind of finish them up and uh make a record out of it Mm -hmm. yeah it's a great record i think i bought that on cassette first and then right did you put the cassette out first or at the same time no, funny enough, um, <clears throat> Matt Kennedy from Kitchen's Floor put out the cassette in Australia first. Oh, uh, okay. Um, on his label, which is called, uh, it's got a great name. I'm blanking on it at the moment, but I, I swear to you, he's got a great name for his label. <laughs> um, and yeah, he uh, just for whatever reason the the cassette got manufactured first, so it came out on cassette first. Eternal Soundcheck Records. Eternal Soundcheck, that's the right? one. Is that it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah and then, oh, and then Stone to Death reissued it overseas? Yeah, Stone to Death in uh, the Czech Republic wanted to yeah. wanted to do a run of it, and it was very nice of them to do it. Crazy. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think at that time, a lot of you know, during like the height of the pandemic, I think a lot of records were getting made and uh, we were no exception. Um, starting either of those labels, were there labels that you were kind of really into? You're like, oh, that's kind of the vibe I want to go for. Or, I mean, your your stuff is definitely like Philly and you centric, um, like most labels. I mean, that's how I started my yeah. label too. Um, but was there like a labels that you were kind of into? You're like, oh, I kind of want to run it that way or. No, I mean, I, well, I mean, at least at first, I think the idea was just to get out stuff that like wouldn't otherwise have gotten made. Mm-hmm. The one ki- criteria I've tried to keep is just to have it like be people that I like know pretty well personally so that you kind of avoid having like, yep, <laughs> kind of stupid misunderstandings, you know? Yeah, yeah. I hear you. I hear you. I've worked with a few people that I didn't really know, and I'm really nervous about it all the time because I'm like, I don't really yeah. know this person, and hopefully they dig how I'm doing it, right? And yeah, and I mean, they, yeah. it's a lot, and you know, as you know, like putting out a record can be a real, uh, real, real pain in the ass. So mm-hmm. you know, you don't you don't want to like get involved in this project that you're gonna lose interest in or just be annoyed with you know a few months down the road right um so i mean i don't know uh i mean as far as labels go i will say that uh tom lax you know silbreeze was a big help in like kind of giving me advice Mm -hmm. early on about how to get things mastered how to get them done how to how to you know see things through um and you know 
I don't know. I think I've just been fortunate that, uh, you know, a bunch of people around me have been making, making some great music and have let me, uh, you know, put my little logo on their records. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You have uh, no shortage of material in that town. <laughs> no, no. And honestly, man, <clears throat> lately more than ever, like, yeah, you know, I was just going to say I, that. Yeah. I mean, when I say that, when I was in college, I wasn't paying attention to music. It was mostly because I didn't think there was any good stuff around me. And I was just, I just kind of lost interest in, in just politely standing around and watching like stuff that I ultimately thought was pretty sucky. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, now more than ever, I think this town has, has like better music, just kind of better attitudes towards things and more like, just kind of like great ideas flowing through people and, and, uh, you know, a little more like ambition with it. Mm -hmm. What, a, yeah. Speaking of, so, um, Emily, Rob, you just did, so you guys are a couple, right. Um, and yeah, yeah. But you also just did a tour together. Is that, that's kind of new. Like well, I've only seen her solo, um, or, yeah, you know, in the, in the astute palette and, you know, other bands she's doing, but. Oh, Sure. Yeah, um, I guess what had happened is we kind of booked the tour. Uh, I wasn't sure if I was going to be going along with it just based on like work stuff and, you know, how things would pan out as it got closer to the show or to the tour. As it turns out, we did her record release show two or three weeks ago. And as that got closer, she had thought like it might be cool to have another sound and she's got this great uh organ so like i played some stuff on that just to sort of fill out her normal uh not well it's i wouldn't call her playing normal but like uh just to fill out her guitar playing to have kind mm -hmm. of like a lower sound like a bass would probably be good but we had this organ so uh we played together as it came time to do the tour, I was going to, you know, go on tour just to hang out and have a good time out there. But as it turns out, she invited me to um, play the damn organ. And uh, <laughs> it was a blast. And I wouldn't call it like a duo by any means. This is definitely her music. And sure. and I was just there to kind of like help it out, you know. But it was, it was a blast. It was a lot of fun. I've never played a key instrument before. And uh, it was a lot of fun. Did you play it on the record or was that her playing on it? Oh, that was definitely her playing that on was the record. Her. Okay. Yeah. The record is um a hundred percent her playing everything, you know, writing everything, recording everything. The most help she got was me hitting record once in a while. <laughs> I happened to be home on days that she was recording. Yeah, that record, I mean, it I didn't think she'd be able to outdo the first record, um, but she kind of did. I don't know, but the first record's amazing. Um, How to sure. Moonwalk. Yeah. Uh, that thing, we all heard about it a little bit up here. And by the time we try to order it, it was gone. <laughs> oh, and uh, and then eventually, you know, it all kind of caught on and stuff like that. There's a handful of us up here that, you know, were kind of digging that stuff. And John and I came down, Um, what was it, May, a year ago, May of 22, I guess it was. We played with uh, Bitter Wish at Century oh. Bar? Wait. 
Like, oh yeah. Oh, I, I missed that one. Didn't did you also play a pageant Soul of Eve? Yeah, that was uh that was the next that was last summer. Um yeah. Peng, Pango played there, yeah. Oh, that was as Pango. Oh, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. Me and John me and John are in Pango, but then as a duo where uh we go by BCU Mall. Got um, it. Yeah, so we were coming. We were coming down for your Petty Bunko Fest. Oh, this That's is right. no. This is all that the same year. What year was that? Twenty two. That would have been, I believe, twenty two. Yeah, when when we did that. Yeah. Yeah. So we came down like I think it might have been the end of May, for the, your the Petty Bunko thing. I wanted the, the festival I, day. Yeah, I thought it was in. Yeah, maybe it was May. I don't or know. Or end of June, maybe. Whatever yeah. it was. Yeah. Yeah. So we were coming down for that. Uh, we were both like, oh, we got to come down and see. You know, you had a great lineup. Uh, and then oh. the fact that we were able to see Strapping Field Hands live, you know. That was, um, that was a special day, yeah. Yeah. And I was working on, um, I put out a release with uh, Double Wig with Clint. So I kind of reached out to him. I'm like, oh, we're going to come down for the weekend. And he's like, oh, we're playing the night before. Why don't you play the show? And so we came down and played that show and then uh, stayed overnight. Where did we stay? Might have been Scott's, probably. Brass. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh yeah, caught the your festival uh day that whole day. Big outdoor party. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. Kind of uh, and I'm glad you could make that. Yeah. It got me thinking as I was standing there going, hmm. Cause next year's Carbon's thirtieth anniversary. So I was like, I've been thinking about doing like a weekend festival and that one in particular was like, oh, I need to do this. Like, we have a brewery in town too, and they have kind of this outdoor courtyard. I'm like, oh, I can get them to block it off and do a show there, like one of the shows. So. You got to mark the occasion. I mean, if the if the weather works out, it'll yeah. it'll be fast. Yeah, that's the only it's <laughs> the only <laughs> thing that I always worry about. Yeah, totally. Um, but uh, yeah, that was that was a blast that day. I was uh. I was pretty touched by like how many people came out and seemed to all have a great time and all the bands were fantastic. Yeah. Was that a, was that a milestone for the label or anything or you just decided to yeah. do that? No, I just kind of wanted to do it. Um, mm -hmm. I've, I've never been organized enough to kind of mark any milestone like that. You know, <laughs> I, I would love to be, but I just, you know, haven't been able to do it. That's fine. You just tell people it's a milestone. Just don't tell them what it is. Yeah, I mean, I guess it could be like the 16th and a half year of doing a label. <laughs> there you go. Um, how, yeah, how were the shows with you and Emily? How they all... They were great. It? Yeah. Yeah, they were all good. We had a great time. Um, I mean, yeah, the show in Detroit was, was a great one. Uh, I got to see XV out there. Oh, nice, yeah. Um... What else did we do? Uh, you played with Lewisburg, right? In New York? Oh, uh, Lewisburg in Asbury Park. Oh, Asbury Park. That's what. And yeah, that would have been like a few days before, you know, the actual tour. So we went home for a couple days and then took off. Um, but yeah, Lewisburg was fantastic. It was, it was a blast to see them uh, two times on their tour. Um. Did you what? know did you know those folks beforehand? I did not know. No. Oh, okay. Uh, I had known, you know, their records for sure, like the yeah. uh what do you call it in this house. It seemed to really get out there for everybody. And uh yeah. 
made a point to check out everything they've done since then. And the previous record became available in the U S. So I got a copy of that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they were, they were cool as hell and hopefully they'll be back. And I'd like to see him a third time if I can. Mm-hmm. What other, uh, what other highlights were of, uh, on the tour? Oh, on the tour. Any bands uh, you didn't know that you were like, wow, they blow me away. Oh, uh, what happened out there? Um, we saw uh, in Indianapolis a buddy named Jordan Allen playing guitar. He did uh, some kind of like pretty wild electric stuff that uh, I guess I would not have seen or heard if I hadn't gone to his town to see it. Um well, so I will say for sure XV was a highlight. You know, it was in like a big kind of theater. Mm-hmm. And uh, they sort of played in a way that worked for the room. And it was it was really something. Like a, like a normal bashing rock band would be kind of underwhelming in this mm-hmm. circumstance. And they kind of kind of reined in what they did. And it uh, it was just killer. A lot of like kind of quieter guitar stuff. And like the drums were probably not hit as hard as they normally would be it was really cool right yeah my my buddy ethan um booked them he knows them somehow and he booked them here at like a unitarian church back room (laughs) a couple summers ago and they were just perfectly kind of this charming you know deconstructed rock or whatever i don't know what you want to call it you know um you know, three people who don't need to bang everything as hard as possible and play super loud. And, um, yeah, it was great. It was a, you know, room of 30 people totally being into it. And a lot of, a lot of those people like had probably had no idea who they were either. Um, he just did a good job of putting the word out and getting people interested. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like they kind of have that kind of charm that they can kind of like bring a room on their side that way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Lewisburg was the same thing. I yeah, I booked uh, them at a. It was like they were coming through town on a Monday. I booked them at this club that or this bar that's, it just gets really crowded, really loud, and you know them. They play really quiet, like yeah, at yeah. times, amazingly quiet. Yeah. Um, and they won over at least half the bar. <laughs> the very back of the bar were oblivious to what was going on, um, but. Same thing. We we got a lot of people to come out that didn't really know who they were, but we were hyping it for like two or three months. And uh, yeah, they blew people away. Yeah. Yeah. People dug it. Oh yeah. 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 Oh, uh, kill um, Yeah. I kept, I kept just driving it. <laughs> I was really worried because I was me and my buddy booked it. And it's a Monday night, you know, in Rochester, we're like, Oh, I don't know if we're going to get people out. We gave them a guarantee. They had a guarantee. It was pretty modest, you know, especially for a Monday mid market, but um yeah, we we hit the guarantee and went over it, so we were psyched. Uh beautiful. I'm sure they were pretty pretty happy with it. I think uh I think they had a lot of great times on that tour. Yeah. Yeah, they seemed a little off put by the crowd noise at one point, and then by the end they were kind of digging it. And then afterwards I talked to them and they were like, Oh, that was totally cool. So Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. I can imagine they've experienced that before, you know. Right, right. I was yeah, I was definitely taken by how sort of quietly they play. You know, even like the louder bursts of guitar stuff was still like pretty reined in. Right. It was it was cool. And, you know, to see uh, 
a whole room kind of like in it with them is pretty great. Yeah. There were times where I felt everyone was kind of leaning forward because <laughs> they, yeah. they, they would take it down like their normal level was really quiet and then they would take it down even lower. Um, and everyone would be barely just touching their strings, playing these melodies. Um, yeah. And everyone would just kind of lean forward to get away from the louder crowd in the back of the club. So nice. What, uh, what do you have? Uh, what do you got in the works right now that you can talk about? I honestly don't have anything at the moment. Um, yeah, I'm kind of at a, at a spot and like, you know, anyone who, anyone who sort of knows me knows that I'm constantly, uh, uh, boasting about how I'll never put out another record. (laughs) And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of on that right now and on the fence. I've got a couple things that I, if it were easier, like if I didn't have, if I had, you know, endless time or money or whatever, mm-hmm. I would definitely do a couple of things that are ready to go. But um, I'm still kind of on the fence on on what's going to happen, what's going to be next. So we'll see. I mean, we just spent all that time talking about, you know, the label, but who knows? I'm, this might be uh, this might, might be done. Different. That's crazy, dude. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see. I mean, yeah, it's a, you know, I've got, you know, a bunch of bunch of unsold records and like don't want to move them any more times and uh we'll cut this part out because it just seems uncut <laughs> to the unsold records but um but you know it can be it can uh it can just be a lot of work that i don't really feel like doing all the time and I hear you. yeah and you know especially when like the uh the sort of spirit of doing a label early on was to be sure to put out stuff that would not otherwise be released. I do think that most of the, uh, the people that I work with can probably find someone to release all their records at this Mm -hmm. point. You know, I, I mean, my, my, uh, my sort of plan is to just limit it to stuff that either Emily or myself plays on. Um, Emily's a big part of, making petty bunko happen at this point so like we may as well just limit it to our stuff um Mm -hmm. because it just seems i mean a lot of times it seems unfair to like not be able to give a release my full attention when you know a band is ready to get it out and they're eager to play and tour and whatever and i'm like at a point where i'm just over too overworked to send emails about you know whatever nonsense it takes to get a record out <laughs> i hear you yeah you know. I, i've done stuff with rentals you know um i mean the first time was 20 some years 2001 and then again a couple of years ago and <clears throat> i have a hard time keeping up i don't know if you know those guys at all but alan cordis uh kind of the you know organizer of the band stuff and i can't keep up with them where are they from <laughs> Argentina. Okay, yeah. Yeah, Buenos Aires. Yeah. I've never heard that stuff, but I'm very curious. Yeah. Yeah. The latest record that I did with them is like heavy psych. Um oh. for the longest time they were very much a free noise group. Um, you know, real loose and stuff. And then the last uh the last few years they've kind of congealed into yeah, kind of heavy psych. They're still like weird, you know, they're weird, of course, but um, yeah, yeah. 
but yeah, it, he's he's there every few every few times that I work with someone who I'm like I can't keep up with them, um, even from an email standpoint, and that's all I do because I'm sitting in front of my computer all day long. Oh yeah, um, but yeah, he's a hard one to keep up with. And oh, like, and I, yeah, I don't even really mean you know getting back and forth with the artist. I mean like following up with, with a pressing plant. Yeah. And- you know, all of the like clerical stuff that is not uh, all that thrilling. Fun. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like a beautiful day. And like, instead of sitting on a beach, I'm trying to like, you know, deal with like UPS who might want to leave, you know, a bunch of test presses on my front door and they'll get mm-hmm. stolen if I'm not there to receive them, you know? Yeah. Just, you know, nonsense like that where my records get sent or not it's not uh it's not really a neighborhood where you want to leave anything out on the street Mm -hmm. you know or out on the sidewalk and expect it to be there when you got back what uh what other plans do you have um so band wise what do you what band are you playing in right now are you playing in a no not really time band no no i got nothing uh no, I was playing drums sort of regularly for a couple months there um, with Max and Lynn, who I spoke about, and Emily. Um, but we sort of ran out of steam. Uh, it's just tough to get people's schedules together. And, like, you know, a band is can be a pretty special thing, but it takes so many things to, to kind of keep it going, you know? Mm-hmm. And... I haven't I haven't been able to to keep one going for quite a few years now. Yeah, it gets harder when you get older. <laughs> Cuz you yeah, have, you have less time, you know. I was just oh, talking yeah. I was just talking about I was on a, on a friend's podcast the other day and we were talking about an old, you know, math rock days, you know, mid 90s, early 90s when I started bands too and you know, I'm practicing every night cuz I got nothing else, you know. Um now the bands I'm in we're all improv bands so we don't have to get together all the time. Um, we get, you know, we, we've played enough over the years that we kind of know how things work, you know, in the collective. Um, but it's not like we have songs that we have to rehearse over and over and over. So sort of right. uh, conven- convenient that we're doing that in the older age where we don't, you know, none of us have time to do that. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, it's always easier to like, after like not playing for a while, if you're doing something that's sort of improv, you like, it just immediately sounds awesome to you (laughs) you know like like oh we should have not played for two months this time (laughs) imagine how how great we'd be we yeah we sometimes make the mistake of jamming like a couple days before a show and we're like shit we just kind of blew through all our good ideas and uh we never try to recreate them we tried to do that once and it was a it didn't work car wreck yeah yeah i mean that was the one thing the uh the band that i had done with max and ken um it was called fully glazed and we would uh we would just get together i think it was every wednesday night and play or no no i'm sorry it was tuesday and like we would just we would just like get loaded like they would meet me at the bar that i worked at and we'd have a few and then go and play and i think we would just jam on whatever we thought of the first time we do that for you know like 10 minutes or whatever go have a couple more beers and we would just try and like jam the same thing like maybe four times in a night 
And at that time we recorded everything and consistently like the second and the third of the four were always the best, mm-hmm. but we were never able to recreate anything or even figure out what we had done the time before. I just got a, after I interviewed Ken uh, in the last episode, I guess it was. Oh, and sure. um, that was a, a must listen broadcast. <laughs> so, yeah. And uh, yeah, I never had that fully glazed seven inch. So I, of course, uh, found it on Discogs later that night and grabbed oh, it. Sure. Yeah, it was great. Oh, thank you, man. Yeah, if um, I remember the B side, it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and how, what you described kind of sounds like uh, how uh, his band now runs. You know, it's a weekly endeavor and, you know, it's a lot yeah. of smoking and jamming. No, and I think it's kind of like the like a fully realized of thing of what Ken had wanted all along. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like we, I did two bands with Ken, and like I couldn't really play the blues the way he's got these guys playing the blues with him, and they're just sort of like a launching pad for his just like endless ripping. Mm-hmm. The other and, band was was that Storks? Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. And uh, and that was, you know, like a little bit like probably too plotting, you know, it never really like set the pace that he can really, really thrive in. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's been very cool to see him, uh, particularly the lineup he's got right now with uh, with Blues Ambush. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that Storks cassette, I somehow, I don't know if I bought that knowing you guys in Philly yet or not. Uh-huh. But like Loki put that out, right? That's a Buffalo label. Yeah. Oh, right? yeah. That's right. Yeah. Buffalo's yeah. not too for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. A guy named Rich Cronus. I guess he doesn't do it anymore, but a label called Loki. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. He was putting out a, a really cool collection of stuff for a while there. Oh, yeah. And definitely. Me, me and my, yeah. It's only an hour west of us. And uh, yeah, me and my buddy John were like, what? Who the hell is this guy putting this stuff out? Yeah, he did a bunch of uh, live cassettes of stuff with bands that I put out albums for. And uh, I think he's put out a couple vinyl records. He's put out like some cassettes of like he there's like a sub label called American Dream Tapes. That's like, you know, a full cassette tape of like uh, like a Dusty Dusty Roads. It's like promos, you know, if you ever. Oh, I have some of these things. Yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, he filed and just listened to like endless tapes of that. He put the Macho Man tape too. Did oh, he yeah. That? There's like a Macho Man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, collage. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Randy. <laughs> I think that one's called, uh, or, that called Randy on the Stick. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. A cup of coffee in the. <clears throat> but yeah. Yeah. He did that a lot of interesting stuff. Oh, he'd like put a bunch of killed by death stuff on cassette. What's the what? Uh, uh, real quick though, uh, Mordecai is Mordecai one person? No, no, Mordecai. Is it's a band, right? Yeah, it's three people. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, Holt Bodish, Elijah Bodish. You know, they're brothers. Oh, okay. And a guy named Gavin. Uh, I would certainly butcher his last name, so I'm not even gonna <laughs> attempt it. They all they're all from Montana originally. Um, and that's you know when the band got together and started recording they've since spread out to like 
uh, Elijah is in the Boston area. Holt, I know it was in Tacoma, but I believe he was saying he was moving to, I want to say the Bay Area, but I could be wrong. And Gavin is in Japan. Oh, okay. And yeah, they, they did all get together and played an impromptu set in Philadelphia a few months ago, which was pretty great. Oh, I, for some reason, I was thinking they were maybe in Philly now. That's probably why. And no, Hole, mean, Hole put yeah. out a solo thing. Yes. Um, like a year or two ago. Yeah, I yeah he let me put out a cassette of his solo stuff. Yeah, so he was in the Northwest, or maybe still is in the Northwest. It, I believe he was in the Northwest when he recorded it. Yeah. Okay. Um, and they do have some new stuff recorded as Mordecai. Oh, nice. I think these days, like they probably all get together every couple of years, and when they do, they'll, you know, play and record a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a band somehow I didn't know anything about for a while, and then I started finding all these, you know, a couple of seven inches and oh like yeah, Pier Two maybe. I want to say Feeding Tube might might have put one out. Feeding Tube had done the most recent one, okay, and even yeah. happened two or three years ago, and that was. That was happening at a time, like I said, that I wasn't going to put out records anymore. Mm-hmm. And they had that one ready to go and Feeding Tube did it. And like, and that is something that I, I sort of regret. Like I would have liked if I had put out that one. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, but it's, it's great and it got out there and I'm glad Feeding Tube did it, of course. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, they've got stuff. I put out three other albums and, uh, they, I believe they self-released the no the first one was on I can't remember if it was on a yeah I think it was on the label Wantage or no I'm sorry it wasn't I think it was on Killer Tree hmm. which is a guy named Brian Ramirez's label who um he was in a bunch of bands I think he was in Universal Indians oh okay yeah but anyway yeah yeah they're they're uh, Montana Montana guys and they do exist. See now, now you have to you have to think about what you said about regretting not being able to put that record out when you move forward and you realize you're not going to put records anymore. Well, what else is going to put it out? And you're going to be like, shit, I should have put that out. Well, I mean, I guess really the truth <laughs> is that if it comes out, then that's already a success. You know what I mean? Like, sure. Like when I started putting putting out whatever, it was just because like no one else would possibly want to deal with this crud on. And these days, a lot of that crud seems to have an audience and, you know, it finds its way out there. I hear you. All right. So that is the first part of the interview. Um, Before the interview, just so you know, uh, we started out with Blues Ambush. An excerpt. Well, no, I pretty much played the whole thing track called Horse Noises from the self-titled LP. That was a cassette, actually, on uh, Petty Bunko. And then Strapping Field Hands with City of Pain from Across the Susquehanna LP. And King Blood with Coming of the Rats from the Hocus Focus LP. Uh, What you're hearing in the background here is Heavenly Bodies, uh, Side B of the Universal Resurrection LP. So I'm going to play some of this and a few other tracks. Got to play tracks from Home Blitz, 
kitchen's floor, watery love, and hypnotizing chickens. And then uh, we're going to get into part two of the interview, and then I'm going to finish up with a couple of other tracks at the end of that. So, yeah, it's a longer episode, but I think it's well worth it. A um, bunch of these tracks are uh, Richie's own selections that he wanted to kind of focus on and, and uh, put out there. So if you're not familiar with Petty Bunko, um, you know, it's a good, it's kind of like a sampler of the label. And uh, it's a mighty fine label. End of 22, I did a uh, best of, like, year-end list with uh, two buddies, and we each had multiple Petty Bunko records on it. Um, so, yeah, really good stuff. So um, let's get back to music, and then uh, the second part of the interview will kick in after that. This is, again, uh, Heavenly Bodies.
So, uh, yeah, I don't know. What uh, what do you want to do? You want to just kind of uh, <laughs> sort of resort <laughs> the episode? Um, yeah, kind of the way I kind of heard it. It's, it seemed like I just went down this bad path of, like, <laughs> really just focusing on all the bummer aspects of, like, putting out records and doing anything. And it sounded really uh, – I, I just went down a bad trip, and maybe no one needs to listen to that shit. And uh, there can be some more upbeat things that we could uh, that I could try and zero in on. Yeah, all right, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna trim that out. I'm like, oh, that's a bummer, man. Like, it, everyone's gonna, everyone's. It sounds like you're stopping the label. I'm like, you're gonna bum people out. <laughs> oh man, and you know, it's, and I mean, like everything I said is true, but or except you know, like the bad attitude of it. Like on any given day, like anything you do, it's like. Some things are just fucking a pain in the ass. And it's yeah. <laughs> but when it comes down to it, I'm in the. I've since started to uh, do the work to get a new Mordecai record out. Oh, and wow. with that momentum, I'm thinking about a few other things I'd like to do, uh, like first half of the year or so. Yeah. Um. So yeah, the Mordecai stuff is that like that's new recordings. Newer recordings that the guys did. Um. I would guess over the past year, um, though it might be a more interesting conversation to kind of like hear from them and talk about their recording process. Uh, Those three guys are scattered all over the globe right now. Mm -hmm. So um, it's kind of rare that they get together all at once. And I think some music they've done has been kind of overdubs and like, ends up with a pretty interesting sound as a result. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they've always been a mysterious band to me. I never knew who was in it or where they were from or anything yeah. like that. I mean, yeah, associated with Montana. I believe all three of them grew up in Montana. Um, in Deviant uh, Butte and then ended up living in Missoula. Um, Connections to the label Killer Tree, and I believe Wantage as well, which is a label up there. Uh, but yeah, you know, they were all like kind of busy with other stuff and would record a record every year or so, maybe play out, but not that much. Um, and this past summer, all the members of the band were on tour with a band called The Spatulas, and uh, Ended up playing like an impromptu set in Philly as Mordecai, which was fantastic. Yeah, wow, that's awesome. <clears throat> what a is that a? Are you at press right now with that or? It is um, being mastered, and I think I know where it's going to get done. And um, I'm under the impression that turnaround times are nice and quick. Yeah, they're great now. The yeah, so. You know, with any luck, it'll be out by like say the beginning of the summer, or late spring, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just got a, I just uh, sent something out for pressing, and the turnaround I was quoted was like six weeks. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Which blew me away because I, I don't, re- I don't know if I've ever put out something uh, where the turnaround was that quick. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Three months. Like my first seven inches in like '94. <laughs> right. You know, they they would turn them around in like six to eight weeks, uh. But then that that's been it, man. Like, well, CDs. You know, I could do CDs really quick now. 
but not violent. Oh, really? Yeah, it's great. Yeah. How how quickly can you do a CD these days? See, I yeah, I I've been doing them at Disc Makers. Yep. Um, yeah. And they turn them around usually. I think it's it's usually about six weeks or less. And uh, are they still located in Pennsylvania, New Jersey? I think so. Yeah. Oh, wild. Okay. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I know. I brought this up with uh, someone I know um, who works at a, a like a big label group. Um, uh -huh. He just happens to live here. So I ran into him in the air day uh, while he's home visiting. And I mentioned him. And he's like, wow, they're still around. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, like they never went away. You know, back in the day, I don't think yeah. I because I thought they were like too big. Um, but they, they kind of uh, last it. They just sent out an email about vinyl pressing um oh, wow. they do vinyl pressing i don't know if they like uh farm it out or not um yeah but yeah they they'll do 100 copies for pretty cheap um for cds or for LPs? no vinyl yeah oh, yeah really okay yeah, the quote i got was like it was an email thing it was like uh 100 copies with euro jackets which i don't know what that means is that just a thin jacket i don't know either yeah, um, and it was like nine ninety nine. Oh, cool! Yeah, so I was like, mm, "That's, that's kind of nice, you know, doing only a, a hundred, uh, getting yeah. under under ten or right at ten, you know." And for me, um, if it's if they're still in the same location, it's right over one of the bridges from Philly. Like I've oh. gotten CDs from them years and years ago, and you know, I don't know, knocking off that like shipping price is uh, pretty wonderful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's why I drive. I drive to Cleveland sometimes to pick up from uh, Got a Groove. It's it you know it's a four hour drive, but like me and my buddy go out, make a day of it. You know, go record shopping out in Cleveland and go to House Row in my mind's eye. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh yeah. Bent crayon. Oh, I don't know that one. Yeah. Oh yeah. He he does a lot of uh, like electronic music, but he he also carries just tons of you know force exposure stuff. So a lot of psych and weirdo stuff and it's it's in a warehouse um so you kind of walk through a very large warehouse you know art space yeah into it and it's packed like to the point where you have to pull records out to look at them <laughs> got it oh that's cool i'll keep that in mind next time yeah 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 he's been around forever um i met that guy oh probably 15 years ago 20 years ago probably um used to have a small store and then he moved into the bigger warehouse space Oh, very cool. Yeah, Cleveland's great town. Yeah, yeah. Um, what uh, you said, you're it, this got you going on some other projects. Um, can you talk about yeah, that yet or not? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you heard any of this stuff by a band called King Blood or a project called King Blood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, there's a new King Blood record ready to go, and it seems like it only makes sense for me to be the one to get it out there, and uh. It's fantastic, and uh, you know, so that'll that'll be on the list. Awesome, that's a uh, twenty twenty four probably. Yeah, I think that um, you know, kind of after the new year, uh, me me and that guy will kind of reconvene and talk about getting that out. Yeah. Um, who, who is King Blood? It's one person, it, right? It's one person, um, a guy named Bry who uh, now lives in Columbus, Columbus, Ohio. Okay. Uh, and yeah, he's been doing doing these records. Like, I think this will be the, 
I think the fourth LP. And it's just great, kind of like loner, repetitive, mm-hmm. uh, you know, psychedelic guitar stuff. Some of the stuff is uh, like sampled rhythms that he'll play over. I think is how it's put together. But yeah, great hypnotic sounds. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I have at least one or two things by him. Um, nice. Just sort of randomly over the years. I'm trying to remember what labels are in. Um, yeah, I did. I guess I did two of them. And then oh, okay. the first thing he did, he was... It was self-released um, and in an edition of 100 LPs, which is great, a yeah. great number to do, uh, which then got repressed by um, Permanent Records. Oh, okay. Did oh, he then, you put out then, on Petty Bunko or on Richie? Yeah, one of them was on Petty Bunko, and uh, Richie would have been the, the one before that. Uh, Vengeance Man was the oh. title of that one. But yeah, yeah, killer stuff. And... Um, yeah, we have a great working relationship and, uh, you know, I think people need to hear it and they may as well uh, get it from yeah. from me. About <laughs> right. Kicks ass. <laughs> totally. Well, that's so, yeah. Yeah. that's awesome. So, yeah, that'll happen. And I mean, that's another one that there's no real, you know, pressing deadline for it. It's never been a live project for him. So, there's no, like, tour to right, know, right. <clears throat> or anything like that um so yeah that and then you know every so often i start thinking about like old or you know older recordings that i have that i think would be uh would be fun to to put into something like um i think the last time we spoke we talked about the fully glazed stuff i had done and stuff called storks that i had done that was a lot mm-hmm. of fun and uh We've got like hours of recordings of some of that stuff that perhaps I can put together and see if a few dozen people actually, you know, want to buy it and listen to it at home. Yeah, that, that that's funny you mentioned that because I think um, I was <clears throat> I was describing uh, you know the end of the interview to one of my buddies um, who's <laughs> sort of he's obsessed with Blues Ambush right now and Kenner. Oh, cool. And, He's like, well, is there other fully glazed stuff that you could put out? Like, why don't you put it out? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. huh, I should talk to those guys about that. I mean, I'm sure that's an easy little talk to have. Um, <laughs> we the 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 problem is more that there's hundreds, there's probably hundreds of hours of it. Yes. Yeah. Who re- like? I don't know that any of us really wants to sit through it all and figure out what what sticks out you know yeah yeah that's what yeah that's one of the downfalls of like recording everything and jamming so often Um, totally yeah yeah we we go through that with pengo too like we don't jam a whole lot but we record all our shows and then um you know we come around to maybe put something out or somebody asks us for something and we're like Mm -hmm. oh god like now (laughs) you know the four of us try to figure out what we like and yeah, and to come up with a consensus for that is just yeah, exactly. You know, like the one fully glazed single that we did, I'm pretty sure that I just sort of put it together and like didn't really ask for a lot of input from the other guys for better or worse. Yeah, because you know it could have just been endless trying to figure it out. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, Pango Pango recordings usually end up like that. John and I 
usually get together. We ask for input from the other two guys and then don't get it. <laughs> so then yeah. so then he and I just kind of make some decisions, you know, and uh, we usually basically collage our recordings together from lots of live tape, um, you know. Oh, cool. Yeah, so the, uh, that stuff and um, I don't know. You know, I know, I don't even know if I should be saying it or not, but I know that like home home blitz is one of my favorite things out there and like always under uh seemingly underappreciated by the world um and i think that daniel has some new songs and i hope he records them and you know whether me or someone else puts it out i'm sure it's going to kick ass and like i'm always interested in what he's going to do i'm not familiar with that Hmm. wild um you know He's, uh, I don't know, one of the most interesting, wonderful, like far out people I know, um, put out a couple of seven inches. Like I was thinking about this the other day. I think there's maybe been like 20 years of home blitz by now. And, uh, his first single, like, I believe he may have been in high school or just out of high school when he released it. And it's just like killer, really like uh oddball personality driven kind of home recorded garage rock but with none of like the sort of dull trappings of garage rock i don't know i think it just needs yeah, to be no, heard yeah. <clears throat> you know um, no, i know exactly what you mean <laughs> you know yeah like there's no like corresponding outfit to the way it sounds yeah um and yet yeah, totally amazing stuff i've released two of his lps and uh has yeah he's done great stuff and like seeing him live is always a trip and um he'll be coming down to philly to play in february and um i couldn't be happier to see him play again that's awesome where where does he live now he grew up in the princeton area and oh. um has been living in new york for it feels like at least 10 years now probably even closer to 15 mm-hmm. um and uh yeah you should definitely check out home blitz yeah i'll uh you know what i'll do when we come up i'll bring a couple records for you oh yeah 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 you should bring up a ton of stuff Mm -hmm. usually pretty good about buying stuff at shows oh wonderful not not my stuff but other people's stuff (laughs) (laughs) yes i i think i know the feeling dude i i (laughs) the not the nod guys when we were you know we got the record out and i'm like oh we should do a release show i'm like just so you know, I sell zero records at release shows. I have like a <laughs> ongoing, <laughs> an ongoing record of uh, selling nothing at my release shows. Don't Especially this it. one. It's been out for a while, so a lot of people locally already bought it. Um, right. Yeah, I, I just wanted to set their expectations. I've known those guys forever, <laughs> so they should know better. But um, yeah, it's hilarious. So, I mean, the release show is more about, you know, having a good time. And yeah, and then yeah. We, you know, John and I were talking and I'm, and I'm like, oh, I'm, you know, and that's when I thought about asking you guys to come up, um, you know. Oh, hell yeah. John's I'm, like, I'm... January? <laughs> like, I know, it's got the caveat. Like, if the weather turns, you know, you just bail. But, okay, uh, well, hopefully it won't come to that because <laughs> I'd like to go. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, Nod is a band that I don't know that I had ever heard of nod until you started talking about the reissue and um i'm delighted the record's killer yeah oh good and I, yeah. quite a few more records don't they yeah um <clears throat> yeah we just uh they found 
the first seven inch that they put out, they self-released uh, before this. So this thing is a, a reissue of a CD. <clears throat> they okay. Seven inch first, it's all similar um, recording uh, sessions. And they found like 200 copies of these seven inches in, um, you know, one of their mom's basements or something. No covers. Um, oh, yeah. But I have a feeling they ran out of covers even when they put them out because my copy of the original and John's copy of the original, neither had covers. They they just had oh, like handwriting on the white paper sleeve. Um, so I, yeah, I read the uh -huh. covers for them. The covers are the same cover as the record though. He, he, he made the CD and the seven inch have the same cover with, you know, the dude uh, yeah. guys coming out of Joe's mouth. <clears throat> so yeah, we just redid those. Um, but yeah, the, so they did those, the CD, they did a couple seven inches themselves. And then Steve Shelley picked them up on a small right. and they put out, you know, three CDs there. And yeah, it's kind of funny that, uh, they're not as known as they should be, you know, I mean, even in town, you know, they've been around forever and, um, you know, I'm always like, why don't some of the young people now are like finding out about them through a few other like booking dudes that are, yeah. you know, they booked a lot of like the, uh, retail simps. There's this local guy who booked retail simps and some other kind of like good garage rock, you know, shambly yes. rock. And, uh, and he's hot on nod too. So it's kind of helping, uh, mm -hmm. pull like a new generation into them. You know, they've been around since 91, <laughs> That's wild. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, they're great. I, I kind of always thought, you know, they should have been on Silt Breeze back in the uh -huh. day. Uh, they have that same vibe. and Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I mean, they, you know, they played out of town. They played New York and stuff like that and go on little weekend tours and stuff, but never did anything big, you know. They all yeah jobs and families now and stuff like that. But. <clears throat> uh, yeah, this will be great to come up and see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they're, yeah, I think they're looking to go out on the road a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, once once the weather gets a little nicer, do like a oh, long nice. or something. We went out. Pengo played uh, a couple shows with them in 2019, I think it was. We okay. Played, uh, yeah, we played Tubby's and down in New oh. York, and uh, Lauren Connors played with us, which was great. Um, oh hell yeah! It was a weird weird trio of bands, but yeah, it was awesome. Um, this was at Tubby's. No, that was at uh, some just horrible metal band uh, bar in Brooklyn. Okay, <laughs> it was like it was like a matinee show um, that Joe had set up. Uh, Joe from Nod had set up, and uh, yeah, it was weird. I don't really like New York City. <laughs> yeah, it can, can kind of be a drag. Yeah, it's so hard to get people out. You know, like I had friends there. They're like, "Oh my god, it's gonna take me an hour and a half to get there." Because it was, you know, right. beer trains and, you know. And stuff. meanwhile, it takes me about an hour and a half to get to New York, Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you know, it's right. got to be frustrating. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, that might kind of be it for, you know, stuff I plan to release. Well, I guess, uh, you know, anything that Emily might do maybe uh, would be released, you know, through Petty Bunko. Mm -hmm. Um we are working on doing some sort of tour release um, for oh. a West Coast tour that we're going to do in February. So that's why it was very interesting for me to hear about turnaround times on CDs at disc makers. Yeah. That might end up being uh, kind of where it goes. 
Yeah, they, <clears throat> you know, you could do rushes with them too, um, which I never do, um, but you could probably do a rush for not a ton of money. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that would be, you know, cool and worthwhile. And we just put a CD player in the uh, the living room stereo. So, you know. Yeah. So you're going to where? West Coast in, in February? Yeah, the end of February, um, starting in, I guess, Joshua Tree. And then kind of going all the way up. The final show, I think, will be in Olympia. And then we fly out of Seattle. Oh, nice. I got a really good friend in Portland. Uh, oh, cool! Yeah, we will be playing Portland. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's um uh he's a life. I've known him forever. I I met him through uh his brother who I went to college with, and then he's the one who put me in touch with Liam Grant. That's how I met Liam. Um, oh, cool! Guitar player, yeah. Um, yeah, he'll be psyched to hear that you're coming out there. Oh yeah, it should be should be a killer. What I haven't been there, and I haven't been on the West Coast at all in many years, so totally looking forward to it. Oh, yeah, man. You know what I should have mentioned? Uh, the RRR. Did I talk last time about the RRR band? I think you mentioned it, yeah. Yeah, I needed okay. that, that tape that came out. Yeah, and we recorded some more stuff uh, cool. that will require some more time um, to get done. And I think it'll be, you know, a pretty whacked uh, listen when it's finally completed. But, yeah, that's something that, like, very likely me and uh, Ryan Davis at the Software Lounge label would probably work on together. Mm -hmm. I I always forget, is he the other R in the band? He is, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's him and you and, and Emily, right? Yeah, Ryan, Richie, and Emily Rob. Right. For, for the three R's. So yeah, very, a lack of imagination there, but that's it. I like it. It's not your all first <laughs> You know, you like yeah. throw a curveball in there. No, yeah, yeah I got yeah. that tape too. Yeah, a bunch of us up here got that tape when it came out. We're all psyched about it. That one, and that was that was maybe um, maybe before we knew of like Emily's solo record. Maybe did that come out before? before what? Or right around before the same time? As which one? Uh, the Moonwalk. How to Moonwalk? Oh, excuse me. Yeah. Um, you know, it might come out not long after if i remember because i there was like a within like a month or two i got a bunch of tapes made of holt modish from oh um, yeah mordecai and blues ambush and rrr band and the eye i like did like a little little rip of cassettes right around that time all together yeah that would have been after emily walker yeah yeah, I think that uh, I it took me a while to find a copy of uh, Emily's first record. Oh um, no way! Remember when it first came out? You kind of all the places I normally grab them from sold out and stuff like that. But so I probably oh, got nice. all around the same time. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's, cool. yeah. I remember that whole Bodish uh, tape was really good, and the eye is uh, Tony, right, Pascarosa? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's good stuff. And yeah, he's always got something up his sleeve. Um, have you heard the uh, Animal Piss It's Everywhere record or seen them play? I, I had the record, yeah. It's amazing, man. If yeah. you get a chance, you got to see them play, too. Yeah, yeah. They're a killer. Yeah, and Tony plays a little bit of electric guitar on that. Oh, okay. But, yeah, we spent a lot of time talking about that stuff, you know, last night when we were hanging. Yeah, that's awesome. I don't know if I've – I don't think I've met him. Um, I, actually, I haven't met 
Chrissy in person either. Oh no! Well, yeah, I know Anthony doesn't seem to well, or Jody doesn't seem to enjoy traveling. Okay. So that would that might explain that. Um, and yeah, Chrissy, fantastic guitar player. Yeah. Lovely person. You know, you got to meet her. Yeah, yeah. I I cold called her um, when I was doing that guitar comp, the wound double comp, I double LP I did. Oh, and, cool. Yeah, she immediately got back to me, and I mean, she sent me a track, I think, within a day. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's awesome. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, it was kind of, because right around that time, like, I had already known uh, Stefan and uh, David Shapiro and stuff. Sure. And then uh, got into Headroom and stuff like that, and yeah, reached out to her. All right. Well, good talking to you. Yeah, good talking to you, Joe. I'll see you uh, in about, what, two, three weeks? Yeah, drive safe, all right? Thank you, man. I'll talk to you then. All right. See ya. All right, Sam, for me too. Yeah. I will. Absolutely. Cool. All right. Take care, man. All right, real quick, uh, thanks again for tuning in. Uh, again, apologies to Richie for taking so long with this episode. You're listening to Fully Glazed in the background here. A track called Bone Out from a 7-inch. Uh, before that break, you heard uh, Hypnotizing Chickens with Button-Down Assholes, Watery Love with Empty Wells, uh, Kitchen's Floor with Blood, Home Blitz with Two Steps and Heavenly Bodies, uh, an excerpt from Universal Resurrection. I'm gonna leave you here. Leave you here with um, this track as well as uh, Holt Bodish uh, with Words to Reason. Emily Rob, but here it comes again. I don't think that's the title. He gave me the title, but I don't think that's the title. I think it's here. There it goes again, or something. And then uh, a stew palette with uh, Bring It On Home. Uh, thanks again for tuning in. This is my teeth need attention. Um, hopefully, I get some more of these out, and I hope you enjoyed it. All right, take care. Uh, spread the word, and we'll see you next time.